Welcome to All Bodies on Bikes, the podcast, where all bodies are good bodies, all bikes are good bikes, and all rides should be celebrated. All Bodies on Bikes is a movement to create and foster a size-inclusive bike community. So join your hosts. I'm Maggie. And I'm Marley. As we explore the complexities of the biking world, help us break down barriers and create the world that we want to see. And don't forget that all bodies really means all bodies, not just larger bodies, but bodies of all sizes, ages, races, abilities, genders, sexualities, and beyond. Come along for the ride. Hey there, Maggie. Hey, Marley. How's it going? I'm good. How are you? Good. I'm doing great, as far as I know, until somebody I to tells think me about otherwise. That. Like, Today has been a very long day, um, but yeah, I think I'm doing good. <laughs> I appreciate the honesty, and I appreciate you not just feeding me platitudes to make the conversation go away. <laughs> Unfortunately, it doesn't work that way in a podcast. I can't just That's say I'm true. good, and then you leave. I'm fine. Like, We're done. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> no, but re- really, like in real life, my filter, like I think, disappeared during COVID, and okay. people ask me questions, and I'm just like almost too honest sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, like when I finished Steamboat Gravel and they asked me how I was feeling and I told them my butthole hurt. Uh, I mean... <laughs> so I'm working on being honest, but not to the point of shutting down conversations. <laughs> um, You know, unless they need to be shut down is my one thing. Because there That's are true. sometimes I've answered that question to make the person go away. And it's been yes. very effective. Yes. Um. Well, today we have a super... Um, I don't know if exciting is the right word. Intriguing. I'm personally very intrigued um, because the guest that we have just did an event that I has been on my radar for a long time. Um, I've been very curious about it, um, but I never really looked into it, if that makes sense. I always just yeah. kind of assumed it was an event that wasn't for me. And I don't know why I had that assumption. So super, super excited to get into this. Um, fair warning to everybody. I am an emotional mess today. Uh Really, I don't I don't know why, but I just watched to prepare for this. I watched a YouTube recap and like just had so many tears flowing down my face. And it's like drag queens dancing at a bike event. I'm like, why am I crying over this? So if I start crying, Maggie's just going to have to uh, step up and take over. Oh, I see. I was going to start crying, too. And it was just going to be fun because we're all doing it together. It's true. And, but the problem is you can't hear tears on a podcast. Anyway, let's jump into it. Um, Maybe not yours. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, today's uh, subject matter is a little bit heavy, but I think you'll hear through our guests um, that they have found joy and resilience through this event. Um, and let's jump right in. Let's do it. Cool. Um, so the AIDS life cycle is a seven day, 545 mile bike ride from San Francisco to Los Angeles, co-produced by and benefiting the San Francisco AIDS Foundation and the Los Angeles LGBT Center. The event raises awareness about the ongoing HIV AIDS epidemic and funds services such as HIV testing, prevention, care, and much more. The ride began in 1994 and was called the, quote, California AIDS Ride. In 2002, it was rebranded as AIDS Life Cycle, and since 1994, participants have raised more than $300 million for HIV and AIDS-related services of the Los Angeles LGBT Center and San Francisco AIDS Foundation. Despite remarkable progress that has been made since the disease was first discovered in 1981, the HIV-AIDS epidemic is far from over. In the seven days it takes AIDS life cycle to reach Los Angeles, more than 650 people in the United States will become infected with HIV. 
Yeah. Um, so let's go ahead and introduce our guests. Um, who yeah. We've let the cat out of the bag. They did the, the AIDS life cycle ride, and we're going to be talking all about that. Um, so we've got Emily and Sarah Jane, also known as SJ. So wait, am I introducing Emily or are you? Uh, I thought you were. Okay, I can do it. You asked okay, how great. to pronounce their last name, and I didn't pay attention. It's okay. <laughs> Shawl Doc. Shawl Doc. Emily Shawl Doc lives in Reno, Nevada, and is so thankful to have the desert, big lakes, rivers, and mountains nearby. Emily grew up in Durango, Colorado. I was just there last week and started racing bikes in middle school. She continued to race through college and into a professional career. Emily currently loves cyclocross and is rediscovering her love for mountain biking. Emily is a freelance writer for publications such as Velo News and the Escape Collective. However, she is most proud of her weekly Substack newsletter called Too Many Socks. Ooh, we're going to have to sign up for that. Um, we'll definitely put a link in the show notes to that. Um, she also coaches athletes, conducts research at the university, and swims any chance she gets. We love a swimmer. Uh, and <laughs> We do. Uh, I am proud to introduce Sarah Jane, also goes by SJ. Um, she, her pronouns. And SJ is a public health professional by day and a maker that you can follow at Mount Rose Alchemy by night, residing in Reno, Nevada. Having been off a bike for nearly 15 years after doing the AIDS life cycle, a 545-mile ride from San Francisco to L.A., she put her bike away and pursued other life interests. Moving to the Great Basin, she was re-inspired to get back on two wheels to explore the diverse terrain in Nevada. And in 2021, she started riding again as a casual cyclist with an interest in gaining experience and building confidence to not only get back on the road, but also ride gravel, mountain, bikepack, and even take her pup, Osito, out on bike adventures in his bike trailer. Amazing. Uh, in particular, she was inspired to be a part of a community around biking that felt welcoming to those who have been underrepresented in the outdoor adventure and cycling world with varying levels of experience. She helped co-found the Reno chapter of Radical Adventure Riders, a movement towards gender inclusivity and racial equity in the cycling and outdoors community. Um, Radical Adventure Riders, which also goes by RAR, uh, RAR Reno RAR. has... Served just throughout the episode, I'm going to do that just so everybody's aware. Uh, Raw Reno has served as an amazing community to both build lifelong friendships and learn about slash participate in all things bike in a welcoming and safe environment. 15 years later, she decided to sign up to the AIDS life cycle again, this time with her pals from RAR, which she just completed this June, just two months before SBT Gravel. She is a sucker for vintage steel bikes that are color-coordinated. And SJ works in public health, both locally and globally, runs a self-community care apothecary on the side. She considers herself a lifelong learner, loves nature, sad country songs, her weird little dog, travel, big bodies of water, learning to play the drums, doing shit that scares her, laughter, embroidery, and making things in her workshop and going on adventures. She's currently building out her teardrop ta trailer, and SJ also helped co-found our biggest little coffee outside chapter here in Reno. Welcome to the show, you two. Dang. Heck yeah. Dang. Welcome. Or welcome. <laughs> Thank you for having us. <laughs> welcome for having us. Yes. <laughs> Heck yeah. Um, and this is kind of fun because you two are both in the same room. You're sharing a microphone. It's very cute. Um, but as we as we go through, um, if you want to, you know, jump in and be like, all right, this is Emily's experience. This is SJ's experience. Just so mm -hmm. folks know who's talking. You don't have to, but you can if you want to. Cool. Um, 
so let's jump into it. Um, you both sound like incredible women that I just want to ride bikes with and hang out with yes. all day. Um, so I mean, turns out we're gonna get to do that in Steamboat. Yeah. Uh, Sarah Jane, um, Emily, will yeah. you be at Steamboat? Um, I don't think so. I was there last year. And, nice. Um, and SJ did invite me to drive out, and I have way overbooked myself this summer, so mm-hmm. it's on the tentative list. <laughs> that is very relatable. Very relatable. <laughs> Easy to do. <laughs> um, well, I guess let's go ahead and just get straight into AIDS life cycle. Um, you, SJ, you did it 15 years ago. Um, you did it again this year. Emily, was this your first year? Kind of tell us about your history with the event and how you got into it. Yeah, um, I can kick it off if you want. This is Sarah Jane. Um, I guess it's kind of a cool story just to share how I came to find out about the life cycle. Um, For a a handful of years, I lived in Santa Cruz. I guess it was like the mid 2000s, probably. And I worked at a sweet little coffee shop um, called The Ugly Mug, which I'm still a big fan of and close to and go visit whenever I can. And one of our favorite days of the year was when the life cycle would roll through town on day two. Um, And so it was, yeah, such an amazing experience for all the reasons that Marley had, you know, started to talk about with the recap video. But essentially, we would date signs, have a dance party out on the block, give away free coffee. Um, And the Ugly Mug is definitely a queer friendly coffee shop. And so I think it was also this wonderful opportunity to just see basically um, a huge queer bike parade come through town. (laughs) have a dance party for the folks and make good tips. And so, um, yeah, for a handful of years, this was just kind of the awesome day to work. All of us loved it so much. And then one year I was like, wait, we should do this. I love that. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 15 years ago, somehow I convinced some of my coworkers then to do it with me. Um, I had a very ill-equipped bike at the time, but we somehow raised the funds and decided to do it. We called ourselves Team Ugly. And then Steve Volk, who owns the Ugly Mug, he um, continues to give away free coffee. They've since changed their route, but he actually goes out to where the route is now and still gives away free coffee and has done the ride a couple times himself. Mm So, yeah, that's how he came to find out about it. Yeah, so cool. Um, And then SJ and I are both part of the Raw Reno group. And SJ actually brought it up to the group. And I'd heard about it in the past. And some of my favorite people had done it before and just only had good things to say. Um, And since we were a little bit closer in proximity and had a good, some good momentum and a good group to go with, I jumped on board pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think Emily was the first, you and Johanna, to be like, hell yeah, we're in. (laughs) (laughs) when someone said it was a seven day queer bike parade i was like yeah that lines up (laughs) you know it turns oh go ahead maggie it turns out that you don't coffee people or i mean bike people you don't have to twist their arm too much to get them to just be like sure i will do that that sounds great totally (laughs) (laughs) then they realize what they signed up for right the deeper Mm -hmm. we get into it like oh wow yeah you've got the the like the the ebb and flow because you start out with a yeah sure let's do this about halfway through you're like I hate everybody that twists like got me to do this and then at the end you're like no I had a good time the whole time I was there I was never upset about it and then you try and get all your friends to do it exactly oh yeah Yeah. and only remember the best parts of the whole thing yeah exactly we also lost some people along the way yeah our team team shrunk a little bit but (laughs) (laughs) where where, where, was it the right so 
wow, words, Marley. Uh, we'll get into this, but I the distance is kind of daunting. Like there's a day when you ride over a hundred miles with like four thousand feet of elevation gain. Um, so like the atrophy of folks, were they just kind of like, eh, this isn't the right thing for me, or their bodies weren't able to do it? Kind of mixture of both. Yeah. Well, we lost some. Well, there were two stages of atrophy. Um, <laughs> first stage, way to break it down. Yeah, <laughs> mostly in regards to like the fundraising and the time commitment. So before the ride even started, we had some team members like get a new job and they couldn't take a full seven or nine days of travel off of work, or the fundraising was too intense. Um, because you do have to raise thirty five hundred dollars just mm-hmm. to participate, which is a ton of money. Mm-hmm. Um. Once you start looking at like ten dollar donations, it's like yeah, this is it's a lot of money, a yeah. huge amount of money, um, and it makes sense that it's a benefit ride and like it goes such good places. But it was actually a huge push, I think, for everyone to make that much money. So that was atrophy stage one was just getting to the start line, and then atrophy stage two was like during the ride. Um, there were some long days, there but was long there days. was also like one of the coolest parts about it was the support systems in place, so no one was just like left behind fallen soldiers we all there were so many positive systems in place to help people feel good about what they could do on any given day Mm. you want to explain more about that SJ yeah totally Yeah. yeah I think to your point too in terms of like the time off and the fundraising like we started out really early in the year we almost had a full year but then you know you're like oh I've got time I've got time I've got time just like anything you prepare for So by the time you realize how much it takes to like really tell your story, which I think is key to the fundraising Mm -hmm. um, and then get in your training rides, which like never feel like enough. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Then you're like, oh, six months, three months. Okay, this isn't happening. Um, People still do it. It's amazing to see how people pull it together from, you know, various backgrounds and teams across the ride. But um, yeah, just kind of on that piece, there was a lot. Of moving parts to navigate that I think started to feel overwhelming for some folks, which is totally understandable. Um, and then, yeah, on the other end, as Emily was saying, there was so much rad built-in care with the life cycle. And I think that that was something that I had vague memories of when I did it 15 years ago, but really stuck with all of us, I think is fair to say, is like you work so hard. Um writing you also work so hard as a roadie and the roadies Mm. are the volunteers right who do everything from you know helping lug around your stuff and get you set up with camp and feed you and you know do the sweeps and the sags and all the things um but you also are so cared for um so when I was telling folks you know you're always having people who like stop to help you out whether that's like setting up your tent or carrying your luggage, or like they can see that maybe on day three, you're like defeated. Right? And you're like, <laughs> how am I going to get back on my saddle today? <laughs> and, you know, they're just like, you got this, you can do it. Um, but then there's also like a whole system of care. I mean, we had, gosh, like a whole healthcare team in addition to There was a massage clinic, an acupuncture clinic, a sports med clinic, a chiropractic clinic, and you're fed. And my body was busted by day three. Like I was already dealing with stuff, but like by the end, I was like sobbing and hugging my physical therapist who was taping me up every morning and every night who was just like, you can do it. You're going to go out and do your best. So I think 
that whole circle of care just you felt so taken care of. Mm-hmm. It sounds like it would yeah. be be crucial because I've done long bike packing trips and you're right, your body does fall apart. Um, but the benefit of, you know, being on your own is you can choose whether or not to ride. But when you're doing a yeah. seven day ride, it's like, no, you're getting on your bike. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. But there, there was, it was such a positive thing too, of like, you just do what you can on the day. Like mm-hmm. you decide, do you want to sag? And they're like, great, go hang out at the little place where all the bubbles and candy are. And then we'll come pick you up in 30 minutes. Like it was just so welcoming. I felt, and there was no, they were just like, yeah, do whatever you can do. Like, thank you so much for being here. And I thought that was cool. Everyone was just like, so people would come out onto the street from the communities and just be like, thank you so much for riding. And um, the roadies and the volunteers really just had that same messaging of like, thank you so much for showing up. We're going to get you to camp. We're going to get you fed. We're going to get you taken care of so that you can do whatever you can the next day, whether that's like skipping a day of riding or riding halfway. And the systems in place were really, really impressive. Mm-hmm. That's really comforting to hear because I think, you know, for, at least even for me, it's intimidating to think about riding that far. Um, your comment about the community coming out. So that was actually when I started bawling on the YouTube video is they had a woman <laughs> who had a picture of her brother who had um, died from AIDS um, in mm-hmm. like 1992 or 1995, I think. Um, and just all the riders coming up and hugging her and, it really kind of just sent that personal message of like, yeah, this is like a queer bike ride, but it's really about so much more. Um, Mm -hmm. I would love to hear like, you know, why the AIDS life cycle is important. Why do we need to keep doing it? Um, You know, I think a lot of us think about AIDS and HIV as like a thing of the past, but it's clearly not. Um, Why is it important to do this ride? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, something I can share is that you know, um, something I really appreciated as someone who has done HIV testing and counseling and worked in reproductive health is HIV and AIDS stay central to the ride, right? And that was something that I was like curious about when I first did it, but since then have worked at Planned Parenthood and have done, you know, research in reproductive health and justice and worked within that field on and off for some time. But it is so central to every aspect of the ride from um, there's a group of positive peddlers who do all of this incredible work on ending the stigma around HIV and AIDS. Um, there is a candlelight vigil one night um, where the incredible Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence mm. come out and guide us through a ceremony. Um, there's Red Dress Day, which is the day where everybody wears red. And the original idea with that is that um, as we ride, I think this year we had 1500 riders which is on the smaller yeah. side actually yeah. for the life cycle but the original idea of that was that um that route would sort of look like the aids red ribbon as you ride right um <clears throat> and then every night there's also camp so camp is just amazing you know you get this hilarious report and not so hilarious sometimes of how the day went Sometimes we get a talking to if you didn't follow the rules on the road. Um, <laughs> but we also get to hear a lot about um, the social determinants of health, right? And the ways in which HIV and AIDS have impacted folks and where the money raised goes. And a lot of that is personal testimony. Um, and so, yeah, I guess as somebody who comes from the public health world, that felt so important to me that it wasn't just sort of like a one and done, but it was like, you know, we're really connected to the reality, right, of 
HIV and AIDS, but also all of us are writing for different reasons. Mm -hmm. And, you know, to your point, Marley, there are so many people that come out who've been touched or impacted by HIV or AIDS um, in every town. Like, I, I don't know if you had to put a number on it. I don't even know what I'd say, but there's hundreds, hundreds yeah. of wow. people that come out. Yeah. Yeah. So that's also has to be very impactful. Right. Um, so, yeah, I guess one of the things I really, really appreciate about it is that it stays very central to the ride itself. And as much as it is so fun and so celebratory too, because I think it's heavy, but I also think like, you know, there's a lot of discussion about people living and thriving with HIV too. And there's Mm -hmm. so many fun elements to it as well. Mm -hmm. Um, But also just kind of the reality and the depth and the complexity of HIV and AIDS, I think is, is really central. Mm -hmm. I don't know. What else would you add, Emily? Yeah, totally. Um, I think that was a great description. I think one of my favorite parts to add to that was like, as you're riding, you get to talk to people and you end up talking with a lot of people every day as you're passing and you're just on the bike for so many hours a day. So you end up chatting a lot. And um, one thing that a lot of people asked was like, how did you find the ride? Like what inspired you to get into it? And then you just end up hearing these incredible stories. And um, I think because everyone knows, like everyone has a reason to be there. People are really willing to share um, if you ask or if you're curious. And that was really cool just to get to talk to like dozens and dozens of people who have very specific reasons or like people in their lives that inspired them to ride or they are living with HIV and AIDS or like one person I spoke with was living in the Bay during the height of the epidemic and like ever since then has just been like I need I want to do something for this community even though she's not she wasn't part of the queer community but she had been following this ride for so long and just because she'd like been in proximity to it she felt very pulled to come and ride and raise a ton of money um and I yeah there was just a lot of like open acceptance because everyone knew that everyone else had a story and a reason which was pretty special yeah thank you for sharing that um it reminds me I just finished listening to this podcast called fiasco I think it's only available on audible which isn't my favorite um you know (laughs) for reasons um but it really talked about the AIDS epidemic and the crisis and mm. kind of the political bullshit that happened around all of it. And mm-hmm. um, really, really good listen. I think a lot of us um, could use a history lesson um, for sure. on where we got or where we came from and where we're at today. Um, well, let's get into the actual ride and preparation. Um, so you decided to do this ride a little over a year ago. SJ, you'd done it before. Emily, you're a professional cyclist. So you both ride a lot. I know that. Uh, what did training look like? Oh, man. (laughs) A lot. Never (laughs) enough. Um, I actually was very sweet. I had reached out to Emily and I actually when I first signed up, I remember reaching out to a couple friends being like, okay, I'm having a really hard time finding a trainer. Like I want to find somebody to work with me who doesn't, you know, doesn't just work with pro cyclists, but can meet me where I'm at appreciate that I like all different types of cycling, appreciate kind of my politics around cycling (laughs) and body inclusivity and um, yeah, help make this manageable for me, right? Because it's very overwhelming when you're first starting. And 
um, after kind of getting some different recommendations and feels for different trainers, I just kept feeling like I was seeing this like far end of the spectrum, which were primarily trainers that work with pro athletes and like have these very rigorous training plans. And I just kept being like, that's so not me. Like, yeah, I just kind of need something a bit more personable. So I'd approached Emily and I was like, Emily, have you ever like trained anyone before? And like, could you do it with me? And like, could we like talk through a way to make this like feel good and useful for you, but helpful for me? And so honestly, it was through a lot of Emily's guidance and support that we were able to develop a really awesome plan on training peaks and have regular check-ins. We had a horrible winter here, as most people did. And so I spent way too much time on the trainer, but it also saved me because if I hadn't been on the trainer, um, I think the ride would have been a bit more painful than it was. Mm-hmm. Um So yeah, for me, it was a lot of built-in support with Emily, which was a huge, huge thing for me and made the the prep for it feel less daunting and helped me kind of break it down on a month-by-month basis Um, in terms of kind of what that looked like. I've been doing Orange Theory Fitness on and off for some years, so I continue to do that with strength training and then time on my trainer and then trying to get out um, between my gravel bike and my road bike and get some long rides in and have a perpetual kind of um, struggle with climbing, especially in the high altitude. And so trying to also just mentally find ways to tackle some of those things that were giving me anxiety. Do you have any tips you can share for, cause I also hate climbing. Um, any Ugh. tips you can share? Well, I will say training at high altitude and riding at sea level fucking ruled. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm a beast. That's the way to do that. That is the way to and do that. For like, sure. for at least the first couple days, right? Um, I was just like, whoa, I can like climb for 20 minutes and talk at the same time. This never happened. <laughs> your red blood cells were just like we got this yes. <laughs> yes and then you know I think something Emily that you would encourage me to do too two things I hear Emily's voice in my head now um so <laughs> one is you know make it your ride right and so mm-hmm. really um and Marley I just heard you talk about this on a previous podcast but I'm a solo rider for the most part too so like I love to like cry on my bike and feel all the things and stop and smell the flowers yes. <laughs> and right, all the things. And sometimes I feel the pressure of other people around me and that can be challenging to just get grounded into the experience. So I like to ride with other folks, but I also really enjoy a solo ride. And I was concerned with so many people on this ride, like, would that be possible? And surprisingly, it totally was for several moments throughout But that was something, too, that Emily had sort of told me early on was like, you know, really make it your ride. What do you want out of this? And how do you make it feel good for you? Mm. Um, So I think I channeled a lot of that. And then I think the other thing you had told me was try to work with the hill. Mm -hmm. And I was like, (laughs) I fucking hate a hill. (laughs) But like... (laughs) But I had to, you know, it's like it's not going anywhere and hating it's not helping me. Right. So um, that was a big piece in addition to like working on some breathing techniques, Mm -hmm. which I feel like I'm still working on, especially with high altitude. I went on a ride a few weeks ago, a gravel, a couple weeks ago, a gravel ride. And I was like, oh, my God, like high altitude. Here we are again. It was so hard. Mm. Well, (laughs) we'll get to do it in a couple months or not even a couple, a month and a half in Steamboat. 
Well, Emily, it's now, isn't it? No, don't say that. I'm sorry. No, it's several months from now. I wish. (laughs) (laughs) What about you, Emily? Yeah. Yeah. Well, one of my favorite parts of preparing for the ride was getting to coach. I coached SJ and then a few other people on the team and just helped provide some guidance and I felt so honored to be asked and at first I was like yeah I'll totally find you someone a coach and then was asking around and I was like am I someone like can I do this and it was very so I just felt so honored and validated and it was cool that I felt like I had the knowledge to fill a gap that that was like how do you get into cycling as an adult? How do you even plan for this kind of ride? What is the training that you need? And um, just because I've been so fortunate to be in the sport for so long, it was very, it felt so good to me to realize that like I do have a big depth of knowledge. And um, and if I can't, if I don't know the answers, like I could find them or I knew the people to ask. And um, that was actually one of my favorite parts of this whole experience was learning that that's something that I really enjoy doing and yeah hope to do more of because it's just that specific niche too of like helping people get into the sport without having to pay so much money for a trainer who like has this very regimented schedule and has very strict expectations and rules I think there's actually a huge huge swath of people who um could really benefit from just having like some guidance and support because there's so many questions yeah there's so many questions and I think that um it makes a difference when you have someone that you can just have answers to so uh for me that was that was super special to be well maybe we'll bring you on for another episode and I'll just ask you all the questions that people yes. ask me in my dms yes I... let's do it <laughs> that would be so good and all the questions Marley because we really we we got deep on the life oh cycle I learned yeah like day five, we had a yeah. like solid 20 minute conversation with the whole group simply about chamois butter. How mm. much, how often. Oh, yeah, sure. I learned about labia tucking. Never Love heard of this before. Yeah, Tell me more. Exactly. I, I really can't, Marley. It's still kind of lost on me, but apparently some people do it. Okay. <laughs> if that and works for you. Different labia shades. Yeah. Sometimes you got to tuck them in. Get yeah, that's true. Tucked away so you reduce the friction. Yeah. No, that totally makes sense. Reducing- Mm-hmm. yeah because labias are very different mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. every labia is yep. unique i'm just listen the shirts the this shirts in my true. mind right now yeah <laughs> that's all that's happening add that to the all bodies on bike reduce merch, the yeah. friction uh, <laughs> the, the brain dump that we have going you know the butt shirt that we made that's great yeah what if we just did all that's labias on next bike april thing. fool's day shirt yes <laughs> oh my god yeah, yeah. love yes. That's awesome. Oh goodness. Yeah. Um okay, well anyway, um, lots of questions. If people need answers. Yes, yeah, so many questions. And I think, you know, we could talk about this for hours. Um, I really want to know about how you pack <laughs> for a ride like this. Because when I was mm-hmm. watching the YouTube video, there's like safety day, there's red dress day, there's like all these themed days. Like mm-hmm. how do you know what to bring? And like, did you guys go full costume? Um how many pairs of bibs? Tell me everything. Cause I, this is on my list for next year. Spoiler oh, alert. Yeah. Well, Marley, I think that there might be a team that I'm a part of called tender bits. If you'd like to join the team. Yes. 
Yes, it is the friction. Well, actually, that's another question is like, do people do this alone or is it really a team environment? Both, both for sure. Yeah, Yeah, I would say we we all probably met folks who either had just been like, I don't know, they came through my town once and one day I was like, I'm going to do this, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Or had like thought about doing it and couldn't find anybody else to do it with them. And then folks that have ridden for like, gosh, there's some people who have done it for like 20 years in a row. Wow. Um, yeah, pretty incredible. And really longstanding teams too. Yeah. Like teams that are mm-hmm. associated with, whether it's like a organization or a company or um, like a work thing, which is cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but that there was lots of good team energy too. Like so oh, yeah. many matching kits. Oh, yeah. Matching kits were phenomenal. Yes. Um, what were some of the best ones? Gosh, just so many good team names. The Queerdos, um, Puro, Pinche Poppies, yeah. I think are another <laughs> one. Um, but also, like, I think I realized very quickly that I did not prepare and could not compete with, like, all the fabulous queens on the trip, right? Mm. Like, like the, the outfits were just unbelievable and the attention mm-hmm. to detail. And I think for us, even though we were, like, part of a radical adventure writers group I mean it was like a hustle to get our stuff together and so yeah we didn't have matching kits or t-shirts we kind of just were like we're gonna do this you know um but there's a lot of effort that gets put in to the t-shirts the Mm -hmm. teams the little bike license plates there's also a lot of corporate funding though we were like yeah it's a pretty like you fundraise and it's not once you finish the fundraising then you don't pay for anything on the ride but you do really need like you pretty much need seven kits mm-hmm. which wow. is a lot there's a lot of bibs and a lot of kits and you can wash stuff and hang it out to dry but like one of our teammates it was a very cloudy year and so like their kits just simply didn't dry mm-hmm. and that's a problem you can't like put on a damp champion chamois and expect to have a great day on the bike um so yeah I think that the packing was actually very intensive. I like jokingly pulled out my small duffel bag and started and I was like, Same. oh, no, no, no. We need the 90 <laughs> liter. Like this thing is going to be packed to the brim. You need sleeping bag, camping pad, like headlamp, camping stuff. They provide a tent, but you need things to camp. Like lots of there's showers there. So you bring like toiletries, towels, stuff like that. And then seven kits with costumes. And some of these people had like unreal uh, full-on gowns yeah wheels heels heels with clips on the bottom like I we could have done I see now that we could have done we could not have done too much in the costume no such thing (laughs) yes okay great yeah no such thing yeah and it's funny because um at first I was like I remember Sam and I were comparing one of our teammates were comparing notes like taking pictures right of our um suitcases when we started and it was just like snacks it was like there's no room for the clothes we had all these snacks right and then we both realized we like probably overdid it on the snacks we didn't even eat like half of them because they feed you like because they feed you yeah okay and then you have like second dinner and some people have third dinner (laughs) we love a second dinner yeah right um but yeah that was so funny as we were like okay we like overpacked on the snacks and then I think the other piece that was also funny is I had seen some of the videos too where people have these like big Ziploc bags that were like day one, day two, day three. 
And I wrote to Steve, the owner of the Ugly Mug, who's done it before. And I was like, this seems excessive. I don't pack anything like that. And he's <laughs> like, SJ, you have to remember, like, you're getting up. It's dark. It's cold. And you don't want to, like, dig through all your stuff with a headlamp. And actually, I did set my stuff up like that. And it was, like, the best decision ever because I didn't have to think about it because you're also so tired. Yeah. yeah early mornings, exhausted from, yeah. like, eight hours on the bike the day before and we people roll out early like early. we have 2000 pops mashups starting to play at 6 a.m like Ooh. out of the time feet on the ground get yourself to breakfast and then get in line yeah to leave it was pretty yeah like the latest you could leave was eight right yeah and one day I think it was seven um so even though you're not like racing right you still have these like time periods you have to hit the different rest stops by that makes and sense so you Mm -hmm. You can't totally, you know, dilly dally the whole day. So you learn how to like beat a rest stop and eat your snack mm -hmm. while you're waiting to pee and put on more chamois butter and talk to people and drink your water. Yeah, you do have to move. It's a it's a lot. <laughs> and stretching, moving and stretching. And yeah. By the and end, I imagine you're like half a well-oiled machine, half just falling apart and just like oh, exactly. barely keeping it together. 100%. Yeah, yeah. You named it. Yeah. It's yeah. also funny because something that we all were laughing about is like on the first day, just because they're giving out chamois butter, like every corner you turn, like there's not enough chamois butter, right? And they give it out in these like little packs, right? That you just rip the top off and then they're in a plastic glove. And so <laughs> at first, the first day, people are like, oh, excuse me. And like go into the porta potty to like put it on. But by like day three, just everybody has their like greasy ass hand in their pants in their kit at while they're eating their snack and it's just like rubbing it all around. And you're like, yep, we're fam now. Like, you, I saw you at the butt clinic yesterday. Like, I know it's a hard ride. Yeah, for sure. SJ, I'm going to depend on you to uh, talk to our Steamboat Gravel team about the glories of chamois butter. Mm -hmm. yeah I will do my best I had a whole new appreciation mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean I feel like the the other thing they had in the medical clinic where I was like I think I've been doing this wrong is they were like don't put it on your body put it on your um on the chamois on the chamois mm -hmm. I disagree with yeah personally. tell us why because well, I, I was like hmm. I don't know I think that's a there's I wonder what people are going to say about that in the world at large, because I am always going for the body. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've always it's gone for the body. Chamois. And then I take my hand with all the leftovers and rub it on my chamois. Mm, smart. Oh, so you do like a double. Smart. Yeah. This Maggie, is pretty how, much how what our conversation was the whole time. I have, I have put it on the chamois. I don't know why. This feels mm -hmm. like a left Twix versus right Twix type of situation, uh, but for the cyclist world. Mm, um, yeah. But yeah, I don't, I don't have a reason, but I've always put it on the chamois. That's fair. And it's worked well, sounds like. It has. It has. For all of, us. of course, I also have to admit the fact that I was, for the first probably year that I rode, I was like, that doesn't make a difference. And then uh, I used it once. And I was like, <laughs> okay, never mind. Um, so it could be that it works better the other way, but I just, I'm slow to the chamois butter. Yeah, fair enough. Okay. <laughs> That's all right. Um, okay, well, we've covered a lot of stuff already, um, but this is the All Bodies on Bikes podcast, um, would love to talk a little bit about body inclusion on the ride. And, you know, was there diversity of riders out there? Was it your typical cyclist? Um, I think I know what the answer is going to be, um, but let's chat about it. Yeah, um, this is Emily. It was so interesting because 
it, I feel like it both was a very diverse group and was not a very diverse group mm. at the same time. Um, the vast majority of people were gay white men, um, cis gay white men, I would say, was the vast majority mm-hmm. of the ride. And they were gay, so they were very fun and flirty and had great costumes, but there was still like a very dominant cis male energy. Sure. Um, and I do think that the life cycle is putting energy into like diversifying that group. Um, but in terms of like body inclusivity, I think it was actually very different than a lot of cycling spaces I've been in, which was cool. And a lot of people actually like get into cycling through the life cycle, which is absolutely bananas to me. Cause like as someone who's ridden a lot, I'm like, this is a really, really hard thing to be the thing that gets you into cycling. Like, yeah. I don't know if this is like <laughs> going to set you up to love it, but a lot of people do. They're like, I did this 20 years ago and now I bike every week. And um, so there were just people from like all swaths of the cycling mm-hmm. world, very different, like big age range, um, mm-hmm. big diversity. Yeah, I would say there was like a general diversity of genders and body size and everyone was gay for the most part. So <laughs> um, that was fun, but yeah. What would you say, SJ? Yeah, I think so too. I think I've not been in probably as many sort of ride, official ride spaces, but for me, I definitely felt that there was just this general appreciation for people showing up as they are mm-hmm. and celebration of that, you know, from like, I mean, there was like skinny dipping happening at some of the rest stops and in the ocean, there was dance parties. You like could not climb a hill without somebody in a non-condescending way being like, yes, queen, get it. (laughs) And it's like, that's the only time I want to hear that is from that dude, you know? (laughs) Um, And so, and actually that reminds me on the second day which was we rode from Santa Cruz to King City. Mm-hmm. It's the longest day. I think it's just over, it's the just over a hundred mile day. Um, but there was like a bit of a climb, not that wild climb that was like the 15% grade. It was like, not that bad, <laughs> but <laughs> definitely climb. But I remember looking over and there was this guy that I was climbing next to and we're both just like in it, right? And he like looks over at me and he's like, girl, Thick thighs save lives, but damn, they make it hard to get up these hills. (laughs) This is what I want. Like this, I love him. And he was this beautiful man who was fit as hell, but also curvy, you know? And I'm like, yes, I know. (laughs) Um, So I just feel like there was a lot of sweetness in that way too, you know? Yeah, the commentary was so good. That's amazing. (laughs) Um, we might be setting a record for today. I get goosebumps whenever like something moves me and I've had goosebumps like probably 15 times already. So oh, I'm just like loving so this good. conversation so much. <laughs> and like that's such a special ride. I'm glad that's coming across because I feel like we keep saying that and it's hard to know unless you've done it, but it truly is a life changing event. Yeah, yes, I've got a, I have a friend in Seattle um, and he did it. Speaking of people who just get into cycling because of it. He did mm-hmm. it probably seven years ago, and now he's like super badass cyclist. Um, yeah, but every year I That's see him so post cool. about his fundraising, and he's been really, really successful with that. Um, so cool. Yeah, it's cool to see. Um, okay, we're gonna wrap up this topic because there's two other things we want to talk about. Um, mm-hmm. But before we do, I- would love to hear from each of you. Um, 
you know, if folks, and obviously we'll have links in the, in the notes, but if folks are considering this, um, do you have any advice for them? Yeah. Um, I would say start everything early, like fundraising, start that early training, start that early, get your bike fit early, Mm -hmm. make sure you have the gear you need, start accumulating kits and costumes because even we started early and it still felt like a bit of a scramble to like get everyone on board and the logistics like there's just a, it's actually a huge thing to go somewhere for seven days and like point to point rides are kind of complicated mm-hmm. so you have to figure out like who's dropping you off who's picking you up where is all the transport and life cycle does do a lot of help around all of that um but I would just say like start early and then um yeah I also feel like the a good thing to remember is like the prep was hard but then once we got there it was very simple like the bike the cycling was hard but they are so on top of logistics that like you show up and all of a sudden it's like now you just get to play mm-hmm. and it's like summer camp where all these people are hanging out and everyone has put so much energy in to get to that moment um but it's just so worth it and so yeah it's not easy but it's simple once you get there and mm-hmm. Um, it's really nice to feel taken care of. And I felt like that was something that kept me motivated in the prep was like, okay, once we show up, then we're going to be fed and housed and taken care of. And mm-hmm. all these things will be aligned, um, which made a huge difference. Yeah, totally. I think same on my end, I would just say, definitely echo everything that Emily said. I think get really clear on why you're doing it and tell your story every chance you get, Mm -hmm. because that really is key to the fundraising piece from your training rides to your tune-ups to your why. Take advantage of all the lessons learned that um, the reps from AIDS Lifecycle, they're available to you. They do webinars. You can set up a time to chat with them. You have so many good tips and tricks, whether that's for like the physical aspect of training to like one of one of our reps had shared with me that mentally one of the best ways to prepare for a long day is to think about it broken down in terms of the um, rest stops. So like really just yeah. thinking 25 miles. All right. I just got to get another 15 miles. Right. So taking advantage of all those tips and tricks and lessons learned, I think, is the other thing, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Marley and I have talked a lot about that. Like on longer rides, I'll be like, oh, I've only got three more tens. I'm fine. Yeah, <laughs> totally. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, so also, I would like to know for people who are hearing this and thinking that the the stories sound really good, but the numbers look a little intimidating. Mm-hmm. What would you say to somebody who is, really wants to do it, but just can't get past that last push? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, yeah, kind of coming back to making it your ride in terms of how long the ride is, yeah. you know, um, all the training certainly helps. I think I underestimated a little bit the back-to-back days of long rides in the saddle. If I could do a redo, I'd maybe just like force myself to do a few more of those. I got so fixated on like the climbing and the harder stuff <laughs> that actually the time in the saddle, I think like, you know, they say that, but then it's like, oh, I don't have a whole day to dedicate, right? Um, And then, yeah, just remembering that there is so much built-in support and that's very normalized. Of course, they're going to encourage you to do as much of the ride as you can. 
but remembering that, you know, if you need to take SAG or you need to sweep or you need to take a rest day, you absolutely will have those options. And there are plenty of people who take advantage of that so that they don't hurt them, their bodies. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's so wise. And I actually have a part C to that question um, that I just thought of. Um, Do you guys know any information about becoming a roadie? You said basically they're volunteers. Is that another way that you could be involved? And let's say, you know, I don't ride bikes at all. Not true. But, you know, my Mm -hmm. mom or somebody who wants Mm -hmm. to be part of it, like, can anybody be a roadie? Yeah. um, And you can be on a team. So I am actually signed up for next year as a roadie. Um, I may be convinced to try to ride again. We'll see. Um, But Marley, we'll have to chat if you're thinking you want to do it and be on the same team. That would be so cool. Yeah. Um, But yeah, roadies, you know, they're just like um, cyclists. There are several that come back year after year. And I think you can fill out an interest sheet for different areas you could work in. Um, but they are so integrated into the entire ride. Um, Mm -hmm. I got approached about doing bike tech next year. And so I don't know much about bike tech, but they were like, we love your old steel bike. Come work with us. We'll figure it out. I'm like, cool. I could learn a lot in a week. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, anybody can do it. You do not have to fundraise also the $3,500. They encourage you to fundraise some amount to be a roadie but my understanding sure. is you get all the same supports mm-hmm. I so. Think so and it looks super fun so like fun. the roadies like work really hard and they're like schlepping stuff all over the place working long hours but then when you talk to them they're like oh no when the riders leave we all like party and like when you all are out biking we're like enjoying ourselves and kind of like obviously there's things to do but like it looks super fun too super. To, just get to hang and like support people and you get to pretty much do all the fun stuff I feel like we would be missing out if we didn't mention the aid stations also. Yeah. Because yeah. The, yeah. So the aid stations are oh. like truly I've never experienced such a thing and such a thing like five times a day. So every single one has a theme and the roadies will be full. Every single person will be in full costume and they will be like communicating with you, playing music, sharing things that align with the theme. So it, <laughs> and it was like so cool. notch themes. And so there were times when, like, I don't need water, I don't need food, get me to camp. But I'm like, I gotta stop because I need to see the themes and I need to see the costumes. The performances. The performances, like people on stage going 100% dancing in full, full costume. Yeah. Like every aid station. So it was just the, and that is something you can sign up for as a roadie is just like serving people food, dancing, Mm -hmm. and like, Hanging out on the side of the road by the ocean all day. Wow. Yeah, right? You really can't go wrong. (laughs) Yeah. Also not uncommon for a lot of the roadies to have ridden, right? Yeah. So I think they even have a rule that if you are a sweep, you have to have done the ride before because they really want you to be able to empathize with Mm. like what it takes, Mm. right? To be like, all right, I need a little bit of support here to get into the next, you know, leg of this trip. Um, but yeah, I feel like I met a lot of people who were like, I alternate when you're mm-hmm. on my roadie, when you're a ride. And so then when you also meet roadies that are like, yeah, I've done it before. You're like, mm. yeah, <laughs> so sweet. oh my gosh, I'm so inspired. Just so many different things that are like percolating through my brain. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Maggie, anything else on the AIDS life cycle ride before we move um, on to two other brief topics? I don't think so. I th- I'm also percolating. You, you want to add? 
Um, no, that was great. It was yeah, so fun to hear some stories. Us chat about it. Of course. Yes. And we will oh, have can links. I say my favorite moment? Sorry. Yes, please. Please. Absolutely. So I started, so, so many hilarious folks out there and I started, you pass a lot of people over the course of the day. And I started saying like, on your left, looking great. And people love that because everyone loves yes. to look great. And I passed someone and I said, on your left, looking great. And he just said, I know. <laughs> Yes. 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 That reminds me when I did bike MS my first time, I passed somebody and I said, on your left. And he said, on your right. I was like, accurate. (laughs) Yes. We're on the same page here. Yeah. So I've started saying that to people now when they pass me and they say, on your left. And I say, on your right. Or especially if they don't announce that they're passing, I'm like, hey, I'm on your right. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. A little passive aggressive, but still friendly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so good. That was the line in a nice way. <laughs> um, well, it would be a shame to have you on the podcast um and not talk about radical adventure writers. Rawr. Um, um so in the last couple of minutes we have left, um give us a brief rundown of RAR, some of the things you've been up to, um, how folks can get involved. Just tell us all the things. Yeah. Um, this is Emily. So RAR is so cool. It's a national organization and they have chapters in individual cities. And I'm going to pull up where they all are because it's quite cool. But each chapter kind of runs as like its own, um, well, as we've learned by running one pretty self-sustaining machine <laughs> with like some support from the national organization. Um, and yeah, what do we do, Esther? <laughs> oh, man, we do a lot of stuff. So when we started, we were one of 11 chapters. They just expanded. I think there's 22, mm-hmm. even one in Australia, I believe now. Yeah. Um, But yeah, it really is up to each chapter. The whole goal really is creating a network of folks that center um, folks that identify as femi, trans, women, non-binary, and centering BIPOC folks as well. Um, and so I'd say all of us who are part of, you know, our Reno group here were drawn to RAR because we had felt in one way or another, you know, underrepresented in the outdoor adventure world or cycling community. Um, our membership, I think we have like, um, how many people in our core team? Like around 10? Is that yeah, fair to say? 10 like leadership core people. And then we probably have like what we would consider members, which means like they've kind of read our principles and our ethics and show up to various events Um, within like the folks that have signed up, probably close to like 50. But that also means that sometimes we have two people show up to an event, right? And then other times, I don't know, we've had like 15, 20. Um, So it really varies, as you can imagine, too, on the West Coast between the heat and the smoke and the winter. (laughs) We have to pivot often with our rides. Um, But yeah, essentially, we put out a calendar every month at our leadership team and we have some staple events we do, um, like Coffee Outside, which I know we'll talk a little bit about um shred the peeve yeah. you and johanna do that yeah, we've been doing like mountain bike rides and we kind of split things up too to make it like inclusive for people at all levels of cycling so we have like intermediate mountain bike ride and then like beginner skills day um and then we have like we're just going to go craft at a brewery because some people just want to do that um so we really try to like listen to what people want pay attention to what people are showing up to 
and um yeah road rides gravel rides we did a really sweet bike packing trip last year um and we got I think it was 12 people yeah it was awesome and not a, not a single person had bike packed before except for oh, wow. my friend Johanna and I who like helped um facilitate it and we got everyone like set up with bags and we camped and then it was like one of my favorite things it was so sweet it was so sweet and then we did like clinics beforehand to help people understand how best to pack and set up uh we all rode out together it was no drop we set up camp rode back together it was not a super long ride but it was like a great intro ride Mm -hmm. um but I think we did like 40 miles yes but like really with a fully loaded bike like yeah that is plenty long enough. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it was yeah. it was sweet, and it everyone, was really cool. It was like this one of the sweetest things. I've yeah, ever seen. it was so fun. So we're always looking for new ideas, though, too. Yeah, and sweet. I think yeah, at this point, it's like really varied. Um, we have an intro to mountain biking clinic. That's something that I'm really excited about. Um, our friend Mackenzie, who was on the leadership team and got kind of busy with life, has been like a competitive mountain biker. Is probably mm-hmm. fair to say, and. Um, as I, you know, have just sort of taught myself to ride on gravel and mountain, I'm like, I feel like there's some stuff I should maybe know about this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so <laughs> we're going to have like a real intro to mountain bike clinic. Um, I just started Dirt Church, which is just like gravel or mountain once a month. And that can be varying levels. Um, oh, and then we have a gear library. That's yes. thing that we're building out is trying to like have a library of stuff so that if someone wants to borrow a bike or borrow gear whether it's like bike packing bags or like hey I really need a new saddle do y'all have any shoes um we take donations from people and whether it's like used stuff or new stuff and have been working really hard to get that organized so that um anyone who's interested will not be turned away for lack of funds or gear so 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 cool oh I'm just like my little heart is so happy um it's funny <laughs> I was in Durango last week and I got to hang out with Sarah Swallow who mm. was part of the original organizing team for WTF Bike Explorers which turned into Radical Adventure Riders and her and I just gushed for like probably 20 minutes about all the chapters and all mm. the cool stuff you guys are doing and just like this little seed that they planted probably five or yeah. six years ago has really grown into this like life-changing thing for so many people so thanks for doing the work in reno and creating an inclusive community yeah Yeah, it's been well received it's been so sweet and i'll read the list if people listening are curious if there's one near you um albuquerque Asheville, atlanta austin australia at large apparently um (laughs) whole country It's a continent. Yeah, right. It's a whole place. Um, Bay Area, Boise, uh, Champlain Valley, Vermont and New York, Finger Lakes, New York, Front Range, Colorado, Madison, Moab, New Haven, Northeast Ohio, Philadelphia, Reno, shout out, Richmond, (laughs) um, Salt Lake City, San Luis Obispo, Santa Fe, Southern California, and Tucson. So it's expanding quickly, and that's actually covering like a good number of spots. So go find your local RAR chapter because it's so fun. And we will have a link in our bio to this, but they're all over Instagram. Mm-hmm. They've got a great website. They've got some fun merch, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then real briefly, I'm actually going to let Maggie ask about coffee outside because um, Maggie mm-hmm. is our coffee person. Yeah. I, I, I love I love the coffee. And when you can have it outside, it's just a double bonus. Yes. Personal <laughs> opinion. So first of all, what is coffee outside? And second of all, do you have a favorite brew setup? Oh, that's a hard question. That second one. 
Um, yes. What is coffee outside? It's sort of similarly, probably more informal though, an informal network of folks all over the world that hang out outside and make coffee. Um, typically people that are into adventure bike stuff seem to be drawn to coffee outside. Um, the idea is sort of having this micro adventure before you start your day, whether that's going to work or whatever it is, having a moment outside with a delicious cup of coffee. Um, so yeah, this kind of came about as an opportunity for us to have an additional piece to RAR. And uh, we co-founded it with Kirsten from Bikepacking MV. Um, he had been doing some coffee outside events and then we had a friend in town that has a local coffee um, shop and he roasts his own coffee and he donates it to us. And so now yes. we basically just sort of say, who wants to host it? Tell us when and where we'll provide the coffee and put it out on Instagram. And yeah, it's been well received. Sometimes we do it with rides. It's open to anybody who wants to come. Um, we had a particularly well-attended one that was like co-hosted with ride with gps we had yeah. a bunch of fun prizes that we gave nice. out to people um yeah so that's what coffee outside is it happens as frequently as we can try to do it at least once a month i'd say mm -hmm. yeah okay mm -hmm. yeah and it's fun because anyone it's so simple you just show up with a camp stove and um people bring mugs and yeah, snacks, it's simple. Usually. And oftentimes we'll do like, yeah, snacks. We'll go like before work. So meet at seven or weekends. We'll meet at like nine or something. And um, yeah, it's just such a sweet way to see people on with their day. Yeah. A nice yeah. moment outside. What about coffee setup? Um, I think AeroPress tends to be where we land mm -hmm. for the most part. Um, well, no, that's, that's what I tend to use. Yeah. I've been a big AeroPress person for a long time. Yeah. I... I never, I was asked this question recently and felt like a real faker because I actually had to stop drinking coffee because it made me so, started making me so shaky. <laughs> so now I'm like, I'll just bring my tea. Tea out um, That's, but, that works. Yeah, yeah. And like, I can't say AeroPress without saying that I actually have not used one in a year. Um, <laughs> but bring whatever you'd like outside and drink I'm, with <laughs> I, I love the AeroPress and one of the reasons is you can like use it so many ways and so yeah. like one of the things is you can use your AeroPress to steep loose leaf tea so yeah, you true. using your AeroPress yes so yeah okay I need a tutorial because I literally have only ever made coffee in my AeroPress mm. oh, mm. that is yep. an internet wormhole if you're oh yeah <laughs> so many different ways Sounds like what I know how we're true. making coffee in in steamboat is what that sounds like. <laughs> yes, and we all outside. We all show outside. up one day and they're like, "Why is everyone from All Bodies on Bikes just like in the corner and be like, we made coffee twelve we're different learning. ways this morning?" So, rawr, rawr. You're a gem. Cool. Well, um, this has been such a fun podcast but before we let yes. you go we ask all of our guests the same two questions um so you both get to answer so it's like four questions um so the first one is what does your dream day on a bicycle look like mm. so fun um you would answer i think mine would be like no other commitments for the day i found i found this out on the life cycle but i tend to hit a sweet spot at hour two when I quit fighting it <laughs> <laughs> and I can just be like, all right, I'm easing in. Um, 
Yeah. And being able to stop and literally smell the flowers and Mm. look at weird rocks and be outside probably on gravel. I'm a little burnt on the road right now. Um, And then if there's like water to jump in after and some good snacks, Mm -hmm. I'm stoked. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a great answer. Um, This is Emily. My, yeah, a similar day. One of my favorite things is well like packing or camping like waking up in the dirt and then just staying in the dirt all day so like you're gonna wake up get on the bike and then the only thing you have to do all day is ride your bike somewhere but not too far um that is my ideal scenario is to wake up in the dirt ride in the dirt all day like gravel maybe a little single track to keep it spicy and fun but maybe not too much um good friends maybe a dog definitely one two or three places to swim um and maybe like a we love a surprise like ice cream or a surprise something Mm -hmm. some pleasant side of the road cold treat Mm, would be mm -hmm. ideal as well for me (laughs) and then sleep in the dirt again we're not done yet we gotta yes finish the day in the dirt (laughs) That I love that morning tonight would be ideal for me. So much dirt. <laughs> so much dirt. Yeah, dirt don't hurt. <laughs> yes. Dirt don't hurt. Mm. All right. And then our, yes, you know, uh, our second question is what is something that you wish that you got to talk about more? Mm. Like in your, in your life, in your day to day life, what do you wish you got to talk to more people about? Oh, that's such a good question. So many things. Um, gosh, that's hard. Yeah, we love to. We love to. Yeah, have a sweet conversation all the way to the end, and then just hit you with a a really intense question. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think the thing that's coming up for me that I feel like actually the life cycle really did was it brought together two of my worlds, public health mm-hmm. and bicycles. Yeah. And those are two worlds that can feel separate sometimes, even though I feel like I'm like, oh, the connection so clear. <laughs> right. Um, but it was a very special way of just like seeing those worlds connect. And yeah, just even on the ride, running into old friends um, who you know, we're connected to public health or punk subculture stuff or whatever it may be and being able to see that come full circle. So mm. yeah, that intersection of public health and health equity and bikes. Yeah. That's a great answer. I'm going to pick something highly specific and take a different route here. And that it. is specifically passive solar architecture, Whoa. which is a plot twist Word. for okay. my life. But hear me <laughs> out. It is so cool. Passive solar is... If we had any planning in our little human brains, every house would be oriented and planned so that you barely needed to heat or cool the house in most parts of the country. Yeah. And it's just not that complicated. Um, And whenever it comes up, I get really excited to talk about how cool it is and how much better things could be if we had planned instead of planning subdivisions and little cul-de-sacs, we just oriented all our houses in the right direction built slightly longer roofs and put a heat a, something inside that holds a lot of heat it's just not that hard and I think that um yeah I've been fascinated by passive solar for so many I years I love this I have that's amazing idea. Emily, yeah, I'm always wanting to tell people about it I'm like you're building a house let's talk 
like which what direction <laughs> it makes how sense. are you aiming your house let me talk to you about this right now exactly um so that's niche <laughs> okay so no, but many I love it. internet rabbit holes to go down tonight thank yeah. you yeah Dude, none of us are sleeping early. it's so <laughs> fascinating it really yeah yeah it makes you think what we have we've missed we've missed out on that mm. <laughs> there's a lot of things we've missed out on in architecture especially in the u.s but that's for another podcast <laughs> and that's next. i know um i would Come talk next week yeah um well i can't thank you two enough um this has been such a great conversation um and we will um have this up i need to stop talking um <laughs> okay. no, no i don't think so the words were not what i was wanting I was supposed to say thank you. Um, <laughs> Sarah Jane Smith and Emily, I just had it. Emily Shaw Docker. Doc. Yeah. Shaw. Yes. Um, thank it's you. a huge pain. Shaw Doc. Thank <laughs> you so much for coming on the show, um, sharing your AIDS life cycle experience, telling lots yeah. of folks about it. Um, and if folks want to learn more about Radical Adventure Riders Reno, um, what is your Instagram handle? Or if they want to reach out to either of you, how do they find you? Yeah, our Instagram for RAR is at R-A-R dot Reno. Mm -hmm. uh, Sarah Jane, my uh, Instagram is the one I use the most, Mount underscore Rose underscore Alchemy. Mm -hmm. um, and this is Emily, and you can find me on the internet at on Instagram at Emily dot Shaldock. Good luck on the spelling. Um, <laughs> and then also my newsletter on Substack is called yes. Too Many Socks. And it's I a wild that. ride in there. So come on by if you want. They go out every Friday unless I'm at AIDS Life Cycle, in which they don't. <laughs> and we will have links to all of that in the show notes. Thank you both so much. Thank you. Thank yes. you so much. It was so sweet. We will talk to you soon. This is an All Bodies on Bikes podcast powered by Feisty Media. The show is produced by Maggie and Marley and edited by the team at Feisty Media. Thanks for listening.